podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are talking with Matt Brown of the Extra Points newsletter. He had a great article come out just recently about Kansas, the whole situation. This is before the Jeff Long firing, where he actually looked holistically rather than, you know, what most national writers will do and just talk about their their pet uh, hire that they want Kansas to go ahead and, and, and uh, take there. He actually went and looked holistically at the entire situation. So I wanted to bring him on to kind of talk about that because, let's be honest, it's refreshing when a national writer, someone who's not actually tied to the program, is actually looking at this and not pushing their own agenda there. So, um, But I absolutely love what Matt does over on Extra Points, talking about everything you know, behind the scenes of college football. So we're talking about you know, um, athletic departments, looking at like uh, budgeting and uh, like a whole bunch of other stuff. It's a lot of really interesting information. I don't want to kind of spoil everything that he does because we'll actually talk with him about the actual newsletter itself as well. Um, but they also have, have a podcast that I highly recommend that you listen to as well. But I am going to go ahead because it's just going to be one interview with him real quick. Um, I don't really have much else to talk about today. I'm going to go ahead and throw it to a break before we get over to that interview. But we'll be right back on the Rock Talk podcast and then we'll be right there with Matt. If you love the Big 12, then we have the show for you, the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Forget the SEC, forget the Big 10, and forget national podcasts that only talk about Oklahoma and Texas. We talk about the Sooners and the Longhorns. We also talk about the Cyclones, the Cowboys, the Wildcats, the Mountaineers, the Jayhawks, the Red Raiders, the Horn Frogs, and the Bears. We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 Podcast and subscribe today. And I'm joined now by Matt Brown of the Extra Points Newsletter. Matt, how are you doing today? um, Thanks so much for having me. Honestly, I'm doing great, all things considered. I I know we're grading on a curve these days, but um, despite this being an absolutely bananas week, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about things. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of it being an absolute bananas week, obviously for anyone who follows any kind of Kansas uh, sports, it has been a, a ridiculously crazy week. Not only is it the Big 12 tournament for the basketball team and David McCormick is out with COVID, but obviously the biggest story for Kansas, like completely dwarfing the whole basketball news, is the, you know, the LSU scandal for less miles. Miles ended up separating with the university and then Jeff Long went ahead and separated with the university as well and what what I was preparing for when, you know, all of that started to happen was, oh, my gosh, we're going to have all these national writers coming in and deciding that, like, they know exactly what needs to be done to kind of fix what what is going on in Kansas and was all prepared to not find any articles that I would find any use for at all. Um, but I, I do happen to subscribe to your newsletter. And, you know, I, I, I found the one that you wrote about Kansas. At first, I was like, uh oh. Like, am I going to have to, like, worry about what Matt's actually saying here? Um, but quickly read it. And, and with the headline of, uh, we're not asking the right questions about Kansas football, it gave me a little bit of hope. Um, and reading through it, I think you made some excellent points there, ones that I personally have been trying to make in all of my podcast appearances as well. But I want to ask you first, what was it that made you want to write about Kansas? Given what it is that you do on the newsletter, what was it that made this particular Kansas topic attractive for you to write about? 
Sure. You know, a big part of what I do for Extra Points is try to go, typically to go where everybody else isn't. You know, Lord knows there's so many people on the internet that are writing about Alabama and Ohio State. And I care about those places too, but um, I, I, part of the reason this newsletter has been able to grow and be commercially successful is because I take you know, the, the, the situations at UConn and New Mexico State and Division II seriously. Um, you know, Kansas is interesting from a football perspective, um, in part because it's, you know, it, it's, it's struggled so significantly over the last decade. And so then everybody kind of parachutes in with the potential solution. But I, I felt like the last week was a good case study for why I think this program is struggling, not just because of all the obvious things, right? It's a basketball school. It's in a ge- geography that doesn't produce a lot of recruits. It's, you know, the television or history, what, what, what have you. Anybody is really one good coach away from at least being a bowl team. And if you're struggling this badly for this long, you have to think that there's some kind of cultural or systemic systemic problems preventing you from making good decisions. And I think we saw that with the, with the, the athletic director. We saw that with the way this university has approached coaching hires for the last couple of cycles. And, uh, you know, now they've taken a step to rectify one of those things, but there's going to be some other structural challenges that um, we're going to make it really hard no matter who Kansas ends up hiring. And I think it's important to talk about those because I don't look at this situation as, oh, just run the triple or, oh, just hire this one coach that I like or just do X and then you're, you're, you're going seven and five. If I was confident I could make that kind of suggestion, my newsletter would be a lot more expensive. Fair, fair. Yeah. I mean, and and I think the the way that you approach it, obviously, kind of looking at the leadership, and this is a point that I actually have made recently, and, and it makes perfect sense, is like, if you really trace back what has happened with this Kansas job, like why the football team has completely cratered, um, you actually can take a look at the athletic directors. Like, yes, the coaches have not done a very good job. But kind of like what you're talking about, the foundation that they're trying to build on or the conditions that they're working in were really created by the athletic director. If, if you go all the way back to Mark Mangino, the last successful Kansas coach, you know, while while there were, you know, allegations of what he actually did to his players, um, people were saying at the time. And, and honestly, I, I kind of believe the stuff that he was accused of doing that ended up getting him run out of town wasn't necessarily stuff that you would normally think a guy would get fired for. You know, it was a combination of him having a very poor relationship with the athletic director, an athletic director who ended up, you know, having a few scandals of his own um, that really wanted him out of there for whatever reasons um, and and kind of railroading him out in some fashion. And then he made a horrible decision in terms of who he hired after that. And then from that point forward, they were always kind of chasing to get back to the level of success that they had under Mark Mangino and making some very questionable decisions on how they did it. You know, so, so you had Lou Perkins um, after him was Shane Zinger and Zinger brought in a string of coaches that that honestly were not that great. Um, you know, Charlie Weiss, I think, was one of the biggest mistakes that you could potentially make. You know, getting a guy like that who obviously, you know, while he had the pedigree of being a coach who had had some success, you know, a lot of that I don't think was necessarily of his own making. And it could you know, it, it showed quite a bit. You know, then you kind of seesawed back and forth to a guy in David Beatty who, while the idea, I think, was that he was just going to rebuild the roster situation that Charlie Wise created. He panicked. He, you know, kind of got ahead of where he needed to be, and he felt the pressure. And his athletic director didn't do enough to really help him out to let him know, you know, that they needed to stay the course. That he panicked and got themselves right back into the exact same roster situation that they were. This was supposed to be different under Les Miles. 
you know, and with Jeff Long. And and honestly, like if you take out out of the equation what Les Miles actually did, right, then the the general thought process of bringing in the coach and allowing him to build and making sure that they built the right way in terms of bringing in high school talent was a sound decision. Of course, the biggest problem was that Jeff Long kind of overlooked the entire vetting process, it seems, and brought in a guy who ultimately had had absolutely no business being the head coach of a football program, especially at a par five institution. And so, I mean, it's it's one of those things there were like it, it, it's been big missteps, I think, by the athletic directors that have not really set their coaches up in a good position to actually rebuild the foundation of the program. And like, if, if I'm looking at this Kansas program where it is roster wise, you know, kind of that foundation that's been built. It seems like they're actually in a pretty good situation moving forward, but you have to get that leadership. You have to get that athletic director correct. And you have to make sure that the foundation that has been started doesn't get completely destroyed in the process. Yeah. That's always one of the big risks whenever you have coaching attrition is that typically that leads to people transferring. And if you are a school that's in a a relatively healthy place scholarship wise and doesn't have a toxic brand, you can survive that, but you know that like the year and maybe two years after you make a big coaching change, um, you're not really going to grow on the field. But that's that's not really where Kansas was. <laughs> and uh, there's the, depending on, on how the next month goes, there's the potential to, to really lose maybe a year or two of progress. And, and this is what I, I, I keep kind of trying to hammer, hammer home here because it was the problem after Weiss and it was a problem after, after Baby 2. There's been, I think, a little bit of revisionist history about the end of that era um, at Kansas, Kansas is going to be at a talent disadvantage no matter what. They could bring in Nick Saban, and they're going to be at a talent disadvantage, uh, at least in the immediate future uh, in this league. And you can win a lot of Big 12 football games by not having as talented players as everybody else. If that was the case, Texas wouldn't suck as much, and Iowa State wouldn't be good. But I think it is probably impossible <laughs> to win a lot of Big 12 games, have less talented players, and have 71 scholarship guys on your roster or 71 big 12 like median caliber guys on your roster. Um, before the pandemic, I don't think Kansas was scheduled to reach full, like, hit the 85 limit until 2023. And now I, I'm not exactly sure what the super senior count is going to be, but um, they, they might not hit that again for another year or two. And, yeah. And so, so we actually took a look at this. Win. We actually did take a look at this, uh, and and also with Scott Chasen, who actually covers KU, um, talked with him a few times, and and actually, as long as there's not a whole bunch of people that transfer because of this, like Kansas is actually set up so that next year's class, that that twenty, uh, or sorry, the twenty twenty two class, as long as they have twenty two players in that class, which is the maximum amount that they would be allowed in that particular cycle, that they will be back at full scholarships for that class, and so like. They they are they are getting there. They're honestly almost there. The biggest issue now, obviously, is that if a whole bunch of people transfer out because of the less miles coaching change, then you're losing a lot of that. But they were actually on pace because of the way that, that less miles recruited. He did not take a single JUCO player in any of his recruiting classes that he had. And by doing it that way, those guys have stuck around. They've had hardly any people transfer other than this last year, where the vast majority of the people that were transferring were those guys that were seniors that were granted an extra year of eligibility and just decided not to take it at Kansas. So it was one of those things. They didn't get like the the big jump that they potentially could have gotten from that extra year of eligibility, but it didn't place them any further behind all the people that have actually transferred this year because 
they basically lost people that they had been planning on losing anyway before the pandemic hit and before everybody got that extra eligibility. So they're actually in a really good situation scholarship wise to be getting there. And, you know, in the last few years, the the, the recruiting classes have actually gotten better and better. It's just a matter now of continuing that momentum, which I, honestly I think is why it's so important for them to get this decision right about who is either going to be the interim coach or the new head coach moving forward. Like they, they needed to, to figure out what what option do they have that is not only going to be a good long-term option, but prevent them from losing a whole bunch of people right now. Because I, I do agree that while you ultimately need to have that long-term solution, you obviously cannot afford to take a huge step back by having 20 or 25 people transfer out at this point. No, like that, that would be a catastrophe. Even, even if, if we're being honest, if like if 18 people left, would you be losing 18 potential big 12 contributors? Like, Probably not, especially given the time of year when this is happening. My guess is that if people left, a lot of them would be to go down a level, but just in terms of pure bodies, because people get hurt. You know, you, you can't have effective spring practices if you only have seven offensive linemen who are healthy and, and ready to play at that level. Um, and, and yeah, there's, there's a, you know, I think there's a couple of different ways you can go about doing this, right? Like everything I've heard and everything that I think a lot of my colleagues have said is, listen, even though this is probably the worst Power 5 job right now, and, um, and and maybe even worse than, well, not maybe, it's, it's, in terms of winning and losing, it's worse than a lot of G5 gigs right now. It's going to pay $4 million plus a year. Whoever you're going to hire is probably going to get a five-year-plus guaranteed deal. And there's going to be some good coaches who are going to be interested. And depending on who you get as your AD, maybe some very good coaches that are interested. And they're going to be different kinds of coaches. And I, I'm honestly more personally agnostic as to what kind of coach or what kind of system you run. I think it's more important that, there's um, institutional there's institutional alignment between the university president, the AD, and the coach about what the expectations are, how much time you have to do it, and 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 being aligned in that way. Like I think you can win football games here doing the triple. I think you can win football games here with with Lance Leopold. I think you can win football games here running a a Coastal Carolina ish kind of offense. It's going to be harder with the air raid, but I don't think it's impossible. Um, but if, if, if the AD, if they, if they miss on the AD hire, then it doesn't matter who they bring in. I, I would I would sell on, on Kansas football stock for the next four years. Yeah, I mean, and that I think is really kind of what it comes down to. It's not that that the general vision that Jeff Long had was bad for this Kansas school, because if you think about it, like the idea in bringing in Les Miles, he was guaranteed to have five years to work to get the roster back to the situation need to be and then start making improvements and winning. Like that is the right approach to take. Obviously, you know, where, where Jeff Long had issues obviously was not in vetting his coaching candidate. So, you know, made the wrong hire for not, not football reasons, but still bad enough that, you know, it, it obviously was a problem and he was horrible at PR. So like, if you get a guy that has the same general vision for how Kansas should move forward, but obviously does a better job of deciding who to hire as a head coach and isn't absolutely horrible when it comes to actually talking to people <laughs> like if, if that's if that's what we get in a new ad at kansas then i, I honestly think that kansas is, is in a pretty good trajectory is actually pretty good moving forward at least from where they were it's just a matter i think of this point of you need to find people that are going to continue what kansas has been building instead of restarting all over again because you know if, from from all all indications the direction that the jayhawks were moving yes it's gonna be painful it's gonna take a while but they were moving in the right direction and doing it the right way. You just need to find a way to continue to build on that so that the last two and a half years weren't a complete waste. Yeah. I, I mean, to, to be honest, I, 
I, I think I'm more agnostic in part just because I have no idea what to take with what I, what I saw on the field from, from last year. I don't, I don't know what to think about the 2020 Kansas football team or the 2020 Texas tech football team or most football teams that I watched because nobody was playing with a full deck. Right. Um, and, and nobody was being able to practice consistently. So like the team I saw last year was really bad, but does that necess- is that, is that an indictment on the, the growth trajectory of this team? Is that an indictment of, of COVID and, and it was an outlier? I have no idea. Um, I, I, I don't know who on this roster right now you would expect to be, you know, an all second team, big 12 player in two years. Maybe it's entirely possible. There's 10 guys on this roster right now and just need to be developed. Maybe they're not. I, I, I don't know. Um, it's, I, and that's what, under normal circumstances would make firing a coach really challenging under these, these, these circumstances because I don't think you can make as data-informed a decision. But right. clearly that's, that's not the case here with Miles, right? Like you did not let this guy go because he didn't win enough. He definitely right. didn't yeah. win enough, but he did some bad things at LSU, and this school did not do nearly a good enough job of, of, of looking into those. And, and I got to admit, like, you know, I, I don't want to say – this I get sued or anything, but that this was a red flag that should have been investigated. Oh uh, yeah, while definitely. While the specifics were not known, this dude had a rep. Like this, this is this is not a completely out of left field sort of concern. And I'll leave it at that. No, no, and and I definitely agree. Like from from everything that I was hearing at the time, I didn't know nearly enough to know then that it should have been. But knowing what we know now and kind of knowing all, you know, the way that things work and I've definitely become more knowledgeable in the last, you know, year and a half about how these things actually work. Like it became pretty clear and actually we can we can thank the 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 David Beatty lawsuit for a lot of this too that that Jeff Long went into that coaching quote unquote search with a a, a exact idea of who was going to be hired and it was just a matter of, you know, crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's and he didn't even do all of that. Like And so, like, it was one of those things, it was very clear, he knew exactly who he wanted to hire, and he either didn't do enough to figure out what was going on, or he knew kind of what was going on and just didn't care, and didn't think it was going to be a big deal, or that it was ever going to come out. And so, like, there was obviously mistakes that were made. I don't know that that's an institutional problem for Kansas, or if it's a, you know, Jeff Long specifically type of thing, but... Obviously, he worked for Kansas. They hired him kind of knowing what his M.O. was and what he's done in the past. So, you know, they, they definitely share in the blame for the results and how everything happened. But it's also kind of one of those things where, you know, I think the thought process that they had in getting Jeff Long in and getting Les Miles in was the right kind of thought process. They just did the wrong thing and grabbed the wrong people to actually execute the vision. But to your point about, like, what you saw on the field in 2020 – the biggest issue for Kansas going into 2020 and everybody knew it was that they had basically no offensive line talent that was you know established that really had shown anything. And then they ended up losing Kevin Frazier beginning of the year. You know, he ended up transferring um, and, you know, then they dealt with even more injuries like offensive line was already an issue. Then they lost guys, had to deal with injuries and had COVID so that they couldn't actually develop all the young guys that they had on the roster and if you don't have an offensive line, you don't have an offense because it's almost impossible. And, and we saw this for everybody that Kansas put on the field. They literally had no time to really do anything. So you couldn't really evaluate anything that anybody on the offense was doing because there just literally was no time to run anything. You know, Kansas showed as they went throughout the year that the, that the defense was developing because they weren't so dependent on, you know, that offensive line. And so it's one of those things where they, they theoretically have a whole bunch of pieces that could turn into things, but 
obviously they need to get a guy in that can actually recruit, or I'm sorry, that can actually develop those guys, that can actually put something coherent together to allow those guys the opportunity to learn and to be able to grow and do what they need to do. That's why I think the the head coaching decision is going to be so important. But it also, like, we actually saw strides, you know, throughout the year of individual guys getting better in certain situations. It's just a matter of, can they put it all together? But the one thing that I will say is that I don't think anybody around the program has any expectations that this Kansas team is going to start winning anywhere in the next two or three years. So at least that mindset is correct going in. The question obviously now is, can they do all the incremental steps that they have to do to get them back to a respectable position? And kind of what you were saying, like this is going to be, you know, as long as the the um, candidates that are coming in have the understanding of what's going on and it's made clear to them what the actual expectations are, I think this could be an attractive job for certain people that want to come into a situation like that and want to try to get it turned around, knowing that they have a certain amount of job security to actually do that and actually, you know, um, bring their vision to Kansas and see what they can actually do to get it turned around. But it is going to be difficult. Uh, obviously, this is not a job for everybody. You've got to find the right guy. That's going to take work. But, you know, the one thing I think Kansas does have going for it is that those types of guys won't necessarily be opposed to moving to a new program at this point in the year. And Kansas doesn't have any competition in terms of trying to find a new coach at this point. So they can take a little bit of time. You know, they can just make sure they keep recruiting classes together, keep this roster together, and then hopefully they can actually come up with the right decision here. Yeah, there's going to be five or six people that are good quality G5 head coaches who who I think will be interested. Um, Well, yeah, we'll we'll see. I I have been doing this now long enough that it's rare for me to get really passionate one way or another about a potential coaching candidate because somebody can make a ton of sense on paper and fail. And there have been people, I mean, like, look, I I made fun of Matt Brown like everybody else on the internet. And that turned out to have been a a really successful hire on a number of different levels. And I thought Scott Frost was going to do well. And now he's a walking meme. Like, so you, you never know. Like I, I can, there's four or five people that I could absolutely understand the argument that, that they could be successful. We, 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 we shall see. I, you know, for the advantage of my newsletter, I'm more interested in what happens with the AD and what happens with institutional priorities. Um, but you know, it's the, the, the one way or another, now you're going to get a reset. Yeah, definitely. So, so speaking about your newsletter, so obviously, you know, the Kansas story and for those of, you know, the listeners that haven't come across your newsletter before, what exactly is it that you're trying to do there? And, and like of all the, you know, uh, college sports coverage that's out there, what is it that makes your newsletter stand apart? So what I'm really trying to do something very unique and different. The, the extra points is not a newsletter that's really going to try to talk too much about what we see on the field. I'm not going to be breaking down recruiting classes and depth charts necessarily. It's not writing game, you know, recaps. It, there's, there's a lot of other great people on the internet that do this. My goal is to really focus on the off the field forces that shape the sport and not just college football, but college athletics um, generally, which means that it, you know, I, I'm going to write about um, how an athletic department makes money and where that money goes and how changing enrollment patterns, uh, throughout the country might uh, have you know, d- dictate athletic outcomes. It's going to talk about uh, the business of this industry. It's going to talk about conference realignment. And, and it's not just Power 5 schools. It's uh, the div- smaller Division One programs. It's Division Two, Three, NAIA, the, the whole the whole entire. And so, uh, you know, 
that makes this an interesting case study because I, I think what's happened off the field very, very much has dictated uh, what, what, we, what people see on the field with Kansas football. But also this week, uh, it broke some news about the upcoming EA Sports video game. Uh, I've, I've, I've explained some, some information about how to read an NCAA financial report. I've got some stories coming up in the next week or two about esports. It's just, if you're interested in, in really kind of peeling back the onion a little bit and, and learning a little bit more about the college side of college athletics, I think you'll enjoy extra points. Yeah, it's it's also one of those things, you know, like reading the stories that you have about what happens at, say, Division Two or, you know, the lower the lower division schools, like a lot of the things that end up affecting D one schools that are in the national news are things that actually started at the lower levels or were, you know, major concerns or, or reactions to things that happened down there that have now kind of filtered their way up. And so like, I think by looking at the entire college landscape and everything that goes on behind the, behind the scenes, there are a lot of cases where you can actually kind of take a look at what's happening there and get a sneak preview of some of the big issues that we're going to be talking about, you know, in the next two or three years, because they always start somewhere. They don't usually start at the big institutions. They start somewhere else and then they keep building until finally it affects one of the schools that has national relevance. The other thing that I learned, like reading your newsletter is just how much information you can actually get by filing a freedom of information act request. Um, Like there is a lot of stuff and, you know, I, I'm I'm always surprised by what random topic I'm going to read about the next time the 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 edition of the newsletter comes out, because I, I, I know that I have no idea what you can get from Freedom of Information Act requests um, until you actually kind of show us what it is that we can find. Yeah, I, I've probably become an evangelist for this tool. <laughs> I think it's especially important, honestly, like if you're a blogger, if you're not somebody that has traditional access, I launched this newsletter um during COVID after I got laid off from Vox. And so I'm stuck in my basement for the last year. So I couldn't go to these conferences. I couldn't just show up in, in, in somebody's campus. Uh, and one great way to get information that maybe a school doesn't necessarily want to volunteer uh, is through FOIA. You can get contracts that way. You can get internal correspondence. You can see what fans are saying uh, about particular decisions. You can get, you can get TikToks of how, like not the not the video, but I guess like a like a play by play of how a university reaches a certain decision, um, and all sorts of vendor information. Like I, it is a tremendously important tool. Like that's how I broke some of the EA Sports news. Um, that's how I've broken some conference realignment news. And uh, that is not everything I write is is, is through FOIA, but that's that's a big source of where I'm going to get I get a lot of this information. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and even if all the information doesn't come from there, it at least gives you, you know, it, it adds extra color to a story that you may already be looking at, or, you know, it, it gives you kind of leads on where to kind of look for additional information. But yeah, it's surprising how much information is out there if you just know where to go find it. So speaking of knowing where to go find it, the listeners who haven't found your newsletter already, where can they go to find that? You can find Extra Points at www.extrapointsmb.com. You can subscribe for free and get two uh, newsletters and a podcast in your inbox every single week. You can also be a paid subscriber and get four newsletters, uh, plus access to our uh, community Discord group where people are talking about these issues throughout the day. That's just $7 a month or 70 bucks for the entire year. That's what, that's what makes this a, a viable financial enterprise. Like This is, this is my job. Um, and you can also follow me on Twitter at MattBrownEP. Awesome. Well, Matt, thanks for taking some time to talk with us today. Nope. It's my, my pleasure. You know, here's hope. I say this with love. Here's hoping your next couple of weeks are more boring. Yes, I, I definitely. Well, 
more exciting, but for basketball only. <laughs> thanks, Mike. Right. The right kind of excitement. Yeah, thanks. And that's going to do it for us today. Thanks so much to Matt Brown for, for joining us. It's really great to talk with people who have a unique perspective or kind of bring a new way to look at different things that are happening in, in the college sports world. So if you guys haven't already, go out and find the Extra Points newsletter. Um, you know, he, he gave you all the information in the interview, but I'll also include a link so you guys can go ahead and subscribe that way as well um, if you are so inclined. But uh, thank you guys so much. If you haven't already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. You can subscribe to us. You get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and review, five stars, nice comments, I'd absolutely love that. Um, you know, if, if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we're we'll doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to give you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. But uh, that's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks again so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Network.